Hey, this is Dan Wonderlich, and welcome to Art of the Sermon, a show for preachers, teachers, and communicators. I'm going to start today's episode with an announcement, which we don't normally do because one, we usually don't have any announcements, and two, I've been in ministry long enough to really not like announcements. But that's actually related to something we'll talk about later on in today's episode. But the announcement is that coming up here soon, I'm going to be taking a short break from making art of the sermon. I've got three major transitions going on in my life all at the same time. Uh, Number one, my wife and I welcome the birth of our first child, a daughter, and she is happy, she is healthy, she's awesome. We love her so much, but it does take a lot of time and energy. Uh, Secondly, my family is moving states. We're moving from North Georgia back home to Florida to be closer to family. And then thirdly, both my wife and I will be uh, changing jobs. Uh, My wife is a college professor, and she's starting at a new institution this fall. And then for the last two and a half years, I've been an extension minister in the United Methodist Church, which means instead of serving one congregation, I've been free to serve any number of ministry leaders and organizations through the work that I've done. And I've done that through defininggrace.com, writing blogs and creating resources. And and one of those resources is is this podcast. Well, I've been offered the opportunity to lead a church back home in Florida, and I'm really excited about it. And so this summer, I'm going to become the lead pastor of a United Methodist Church in the Orlando area. And so with all three of those things happening kind of simultaneously, uh, I need to take a break to focus on my family, uh, to focus on my ministry, and also to get our feet under us and figure out what the rhythm is going to look like uh, as our day-to-day lives uh, change drastically. And so I hope you understand. I hope that you will be uh, generous uh, with your patience, and I promise you that the show will come back. So so here's the plan. There is an episode today. Obviously, you're listening to that now. Uh, if you're listening along in real time, we will have another episode later this month in May of 2018, an interview episode. It's really great. I can't wait for you to hear it. And then I'm going to be definitely taking June and July of 2018 off and possibly August. Uh, I don't know yet. It depends on how quickly we get up to speed with life and work and ministry and all those things, but the show will be back in August or September of 2018. And so what I want you to do right now is make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. If you are, that's great. But if you're not, if you're someone that listens to the podcast through the website or you found it by clicking links on social media or uh, you've just downloaded a couple episodes, go ahead and go into iTunes or the podcast app uh, or even Spotify. We're on Spotify now or Stitcher, or Downcast, or Overcast, or Pocketcast, or whatever podcast app you listen to, go ahead and hit subscribe, or follow, or whatever the feature is that downloads new episodes automatically, so that when that break happens, and the show returns, you're going to get the episodes immediately, you won't have to do anything, you won't have to be paying attention, you won't have to be looking out for an announcement, it'll just come right back, so go ahead and subscribe to the show, and of course, during the break, the entire archive of back episodes will be available to you, especially if you're a newer listener and haven't been with us from the beginning, there are tons of great episodes back in there, tons of great guests, some that you've heard of, some that you haven't, uh, but I would encourage you to check out some episodes that you may have missed. And then finally, I want to use a little bit of this time to to not just take a break, but also reflect on the podcast and, and uh, kind of evaluate how it's gone. And I would love your input. Uh, let me know what topics or what shows or what guests have meant a lot to you, maybe some that 
didn't really work for you, or what topics or guests would you like me to tackle moving forward. You can go to artofthesermon.com, and at the bottom of every page on that website is a contact form. You can send me a message there, or you can reach out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all at username Art of the Sermon. You can send me a message. I can't wait to read those and, and, and dream about the future of the program. And of course, thank you in advance for your patience and your prayers during the break. Uh, I love making Art of the Sermon, and I can't wait to come back after the break uh, refreshed and rejuvenated and ready to get back at it. All right, let's get into the content of today's show. So at the top of the show, I expressed my displeasure with church announcements, and I know I'm not alone, because while this podcast has certainly had the biggest impact and connected me with the most number of people out of all the projects that I've done with my extension ministry, most of you listen to it through a podcast app and not through my website. The thing that brings the most number of people to defininggrace.com are Google searches for how to do better church announcements. It seems like I'm not the only one that thinks they are a big double-edged sword, because on the one hand, they are vitally important. Theologically speaking, we need to give our congregation ideas and opportunities of how to live out their faith, both with the church and in the community. And then, of course, practically speaking, people need to know what's going on, where it's happening, when to show up, what to wear, what to bring, things like that. But the other side of that coin is that announcements can just be awful, and oftentimes they can end up being sort of a waste of time, particularly in worship services, because they're usually too long, too focused on things that don't inspire interest, and if we're not interested, it doesn't matter if we know where to show up, we're not going to show up. And so I've developed 10 action steps for improving church announcements. And we're going to walk through those 10 action steps, but I want to specifically focus on how we might incorporate announcements into the sermon, because I think this is a really unique and creative way to make people care and get announcements across in a way that will have impact. The first action step is to use more channels. I don't know about you, but when I think about church announcements, I picture the person standing at the front or in the pulpit, essentially reading the bulletin or some pre-printed script to the congregation. Did you know that that is not the only way you are allowed to deliver announcements? You're allowed to include them in your bulletin or your newsletter. You can put them on your website. You could use social media. You could sign up for a free email marketing service like MailChimp. You could produce video announcements, or you can do what we're going to touch on throughout this podcast. On occasion, you can incorporate one or two relevant announcements into the sermon. So step one, use more channels. Step two is to make those channels valuable. You know, no one likes that friend that's always asking for favors, and and channels that feature only church announcements oftentimes bear a striking resemblance to that kind of friend. So while we may see announcements as providing valuable opportunities to our congregation and our community, it can oftentimes come across like the church is always asking for other people's time and energy. So wherever you're mixing in announcements, make sure that they truly are mixed in and aren't the only things going on. If you're going to do a verbal presentation, mix in some humor, mix in a story, mix in encouragement. If you're going to include announcements on social media, make sure that's not the only thing on your social media. That's the quickest way to tune people out. You need to make sure that the channels where you're delivering announcements are valuable to the person listening or reading or watching to ensure that they come back. The third action step is to focus on the point, the mission, and the vision. 
people aren't going to listen to your announcements, they're not going to read them, and they certainly won't show up to the things being announced if they don't care. And there is no faster way to make people not care than to launch into and focus on details, procedures, or requirements. Make sure you show up on this day 15 minutes early and make sure you filled out this form and bring this thing. That kind of stuff just makes people tune out and they don't care. So we need to answer this question. How will this opportunity affect the people listening to the announcement? We need to ask ourselves, what kind of impact can they have on the community? What kind of impact will this have on them? How will it shape them and form them as a disciple? Or how will it allow them to live out their faith and serve other people or make disciples of other people? And this is one of the best reasons to include announcements in your sermon when it makes sense. Let's say you're preaching on the Good Samaritan and the point of your message is that we need to treat all people as neighbors. And you've got an event coming up at a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter or you're working with local refugees or some other population of people that perhaps aren't considered neighbors neighbors by everyone in your community. And you say, this is our chance to show some people in our community that are often overlooked or even despised to show them that they are treasured and valued neighbors of ours. And we have a chance to serve them. You can do that this coming Thursday at 6 p.m. And then you can launch into those details. You see, you focus on the mission, the vision, you get them to care about it, get them excited about living out their faith, and then you give them the details. Action step four is to tell a story. Now, if you're using verbal announcements or video announcements in part of the service, it may need to be a short story, but story is a form of communication that naturally and automatically captures our attention. We tune into stories. We're interested in stories. We're attracted to character, and we want to know how things are going to resolve. And so maybe you can tell a story of what this event was like the last time you went. Have someone share a testimony. And then, of course, this is easily incorporated in to a sermon because stories are already things that we are using within our sermons on a regular basis. If you can connect announcements to stories, you have a much better chance of capturing people's attention. Action step number five is to cut as many details as possible. If you can make a connection and inspire a response through things like story or mission or vision, you don't need to include all the details in the announcement itself. You can simply point people to where they can get more information. Because when people are interested, they're going to seek out the details. Think about when you heard uh, that your favorite band was coming to town. All you needed to hear was that they were coming and then you would put in the effort to figure out how to get tickets. Focus on the mission, focus on the story, Drop those scary details that turn people off like time and cost and training and all those things. They won't seem so scary later if they're inspired and passionate first. So make details available through other things. So when you include announcements in your sermon, don't derail your sermon by suddenly launching into all of those details. Simply say, we've got this thing coming up Thursday at 6 p.m. Head to our website for more information or to sign up and then move on. Tap into that passion, and then people will seek out the details on their own. Step number six is to have a clear call to action. Answer this question, what do you want people to do? Do you want them to sign up somewhere? Do you want them to talk to someone? Do you want them to write a check for something or tell other people about a new event going on at your church? You should identify one clear action step and ask them to do that at the end of the announcement. Don't give them multiple options. That's just going to be confusing and lead people to have questions. Ask them to do one thing. And then if they're really interested or passionate, they're much more likely to remember and do that one thing. Another thing that can be really effective is if you have a well-designed and organized website and there's one place on your 
your website that you can send people to to get all of the announcements. That repetition over and over again, if you want to be involved in this, go to mywebsite.com slash next steps or mywebsite.com slash announcements. If you can send people to the same place over and over and over again, it will drill into their heads and then they will just remember that, hey, if I want to know what's going on at this church, I go to this website. Another thing I see a lot with churches is that they might have an announcement that doesn't actually have a call to action. It's just imparting information. And then you're kind of sitting there saying, well, what do you want me to do with it? So instead, create a call to action. And it doesn't have to be signing up for something. It may be that during your sermon on the Good Samaritan, you want to highlight the fact that you had a team of youth from your church that gave up their spring break to go serve people. So instead of staying home and sleeping in or going to the beach or playing video games, they went on a mission trip. You want to announce this. You want to let your congregation know that it happened. Well, during your sermon, you can identify this fact and then ask your congregation to give them a round of applause or ask them to stand and say a quick prayer honoring their service. It's a way to not only give information, but give the congregation a way to do something with that information by giving them a clear action step. Step number seven is to consider the context. Think about what people are experiencing before, during, and after the delivery of your announcements. If it's verbal or video announcements somewhere during your worship service, what happens before it? What happens after it? And does it fit in? I mean, there's nothing worse than just finishing a really solemn or emotional song, and then you suddenly cut to this chipper video announcement host, and it's just this jarring shift of energy. Does it fit in? Uh, if you're crafting announcements for social media, think about what state of mind people tend to be in as scrolling Facebook or Instagram. You certainly want your announcement to stand out, but you want it to fit into the norm of the experience because you want people to stick with it. And certainly, if you're going to be dropping announcements into your sermon, make sure you're doing it in the right places, in places that make sense, in places that keep the flow. We certainly want our announcements to be effective, but we also don't want to derail our sermon. So action step seven, consider the context. Number eight, you should target specialized announcements. When you have an announcement that applies to a particular segment of your congregation, there's probably a better way to reach them than upfront large group announcements or, or inclusion in the sermon. The smaller the target is in relation to the size of the group, the higher the likelihood that people it doesn't apply to are going to tune out. Then you say, why are you telling me about this? It doesn't apply to me. I don't care. And once they tune out, it's going to be really hard to get their attention back. So like we said in number one, use all of your channels. Use Use email, use Facebook groups, uh, put out young adult announcements on Instagram since the audience on Instagram tends to be a little bit younger. You can even ask specific small groups or Sunday school leaders to help make announcements to relevant audiences. Basically what I'm saying is probably announcing your next trustees meeting as a part of the sermon is not the best or most effective use of your time and their attention. Action step number nine is to create an announcement strategy and a supporting set of policies. If you have an intentional, well-thought-out strategy and some written policies ahead of time, it will help you organize and streamline the whole process. It also helps with those annoying situations where someone approaches you two minutes before worship and says, hey, I really need you to announce this. You can say, you know, I'm really sorry, but we need all announcements via email or voicemail by Wednesday afternoon or Friday afternoon or whatever works best for you. And certainly, if you're going to be including announcements within a sermon, you might need to know that a month or two ahead of time. So that might limit the kind of announcements that are going to be included in your sermon. But if you can let people know what you're preaching about, they might be able to identify effective announcements to include in your sermon. So they may be able to help give you an example, and you may be able to help give them an effective channel to get their event announced. 
And the 10th and final action step is to consider an announcement worksheet or template. Don't expect everyone in your congregation to naturally know how to craft effective announcements or tell a story well. A script or a template not only provides them a guiding structure that you can control, but it helps the people submitting announcements think deeper about the importance of their event, program, or ministry. They may not realize that the event they have ties into something that you're preaching about because they may not have thought deeply about the mission or the vision or the point. But if you create a worksheet for people and help ask the right kinds of questions, it might help them think deeper and make the work of connecting announcements to what you're preaching about just a little bit easier. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Art of the Sermon. You can find show notes, including links to some of the things that we talked about at artofthesermon.com. As always, I would love to hear what you think about the show, and I want your input to be a part of the conversation. So you can connect with me through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all at username Art of the Sermon. If you'd like to support the show, I would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play Music, or your favorite podcast app so that new episodes are downloaded as soon as they're live. And of course, in addition to sharing the show with your friends, the best way to help us out is to leave a review in the iTunes store. This lets iTunes know that you care about the show and want other people to find it. Thank you again so much for joining me, and I'll catch you next time on Art of the Sermon.